Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tejos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays, when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. If you like what we do, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your chosen podcast app, as this really helps more people discover the show. Thank you for being with us, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another webinar by Smart Karma. I'm Valerie, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Smart Karma Insight Provider Devi Supakasin, who will be sharing her thoughts on the top opportunities in Indian consumer discretionary in 2023. Before we start, a bit of standard housekeeping. As always, please feel free to send in your questions for our Insight Provider throughout the webinar using the Q&A button on your Zoom app, and we'll get to them during the Q&A section. Please do not reshare the contents of this webinar without express permission. A recording will be available afterwards on the registration page and will be sent to all attendees. And with that, thank you, Devi, for being with us today. Maybe you can give us a brief introduction of your background before we dive right into the topic for today. Thanks, Valerie, for your introduction. It's my pleasure to be on this webinar. I focus primarily on consumer sector in Asia, and my area of special focus is so. Uh, personal or private consumer spending. Consumer discretionary, uh, we, we do both consumer staples and discretionary. So today we'll start with by looking at the India consumer discretionary space, the big picture by understanding what the market and the trends and what are the headwinds and tailwinds facing the sector before we zero in on a few sub-segments within discretionary and come to a few stocks, which I think have fairly strong growth potential in 2023 and beyond. Now, India can be looked at and analyzed from many different angles, given how diverse the market is. Simplistic ways to look at by income category. Now, the most important part from a consumer discretionary sector point of view is the top two tiers, what is described here as the middle class and the rich. Now, for 2021, we're talking about a market of 500 million, maybe roughly around 120 million households which I would say is the target market for consumer discretionary. Why do I say so? Because the lower category often have very little left after spending on staples, rentals, medical to spend on discretionary. So this is the category we're looking at, the top two tiers. The key takeaway from this, I would say, is to see how the shape of this is shifting over time. 10 years from now, by 2031, this top tier is expected to expand to nearly 900 million. That means we are going to add almost as much as market in in 10 years' time. We're talking about nearly 200 million households, which can be the target market for consumer discretionary in India. To understand this a bit in detail, this is, again, the same two categories we discussed Right now, they contribute to 33% of India's population, which is but disproportionate share of expenditure. The 33% of population contribute to 65% of expenditure and 81% of savings. So for all those who are looking at Indian market for consumer discretionary, this is what we would target. This is a very broad market. You have those who are also classified as rich versus those who are just above as Now, this is the category who would be 
owning all the smartphones in the country who are shopping online, uh, who are looking to upgrade their cars, buy new cars, upgrade their houses, spend on improvement for home improvement, personal improvement. So this is the market we, we're looking at. Let's move from the scope and size of the market to what is happening in terms of trends in consumer discretionary spend. The past decade has seen more changes than probably we have seen in you know, the many, many decades before. Globally too, the trends have changed. But in India, apart from improved or enhanced affordability because of you know, growth in personal income, a bigger factor has been at play, which is in terms of access because modern retail, which was almost non-existent in India, when I say modern retail, for the rest of the world, going to a mini market, supermarket was a norm. While in India, we were used to mostly mom and pop stores for everything from, you know, from clothes to grocery to everything. And suddenly this shift to modern retail and this modern retail finding its way to even tier two, three towns and villages has been a big shift in terms of the markets that a branded product and many, many categories of products can suddenly access. And, and consumers have direct choice in picking up the products they want. So this is one big shift. And second is awareness, be it media, be it online, the, the, the way consumers directly know about a product beyond advertising and the kind of choices they make, a lot of it influenced by social media is tremendous, you know, the, the, that shift has some way metamorphosized into something what I call aspiration, you know, which, which earlier you wouldn't know about a product for, you know, or even if you have affordability, if you didn't know about a product and if you didn't know what was, what others doing in another part of the world, then how would you even think of buying it? Now, all that has cha changed and it has kind of, I would say, blurred the line between urban and rural. Mind you, more than 50% of Indian population live in rural in villages, you know, what, what is classified as villages. And Amazon today delivers to more than 90% of postal codes in India, which means almost anyone in an accessible part of India today can buy any product that's on Amazon. And Amazon India sells almost anything that Amazon anywhere in the world is selling, you know. So this combination of access, enhanced access and increased awareness turning into a higher aspiration for led by social media is at the heart of what I call rising consumerism in India. So these are, you know, from a, from a trend perspective, this, this, is a, this has kind of changed the trajectory of spending. You know, once you have income, you have avenues and you know where to spend and what to spend on. Just to, just to give an anecdotal example, 10 years or 15 years ago, if you you could spot somebody from a village by looking at how that person dressed because they didn't know what was the in thing. Today, I cannot do that. You know? yeah, I, I, I look at someone, they, even a, a young girl in a village would be wearing what somebody, her counterpart in a metro city would be wearing. I'm assuming, you know, same affordability level because thanks to social media, they all know what is happening. And thanks to online and thanks to modern retail being available nearby, they can order anything they want. Early it was impossible. So th th that is the kind of, you know, discussion we are having when it comes, I mean, that's a kind of change in trend that we have when it comes to, you know, consumer discretionary spend. Let's whittle down this discussion to more investment, you know, angle. 
while the bigger picture is quite gung ho, I would say I would kind of caution saying inflation impact is real. You a good segment of a good a, a segment of the target market we discussed earlier probably have to cut back on their discretionary spend or the frequency or the or the or the amount they could spend on discretionary because of inflation be it fuel costs cooking gas you know your grocery and staples the prices have gone up ahead of what salaries have gone up the recent tech layoffs have kind of soured the sentiment on employment so you have a segment what we call the mass category which is kind of affected by the current scenario a leading footwear maker during the call commented that footwear selling you know with with a retail price of 1000 and below they were seeing a weakening of demand while sneakers priced above 2000 they were seeing acceleration of demand you know so this kind of discrepancy in demand is 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 quite evident now so when you're looking at consumer discretionary from a investment perspective for the medium term we will have to make that kind of distinction between players another factor other factors which have been strong tailwinds for many players in the consumer discretionary space as, as i discussed was you know in, increased aspiration the youth wanting to spend more and and you know the reach which to which many players are today expanding companies which limited themselves to the metros and tier 1 towns are today expanding to tier 2 and tier 3 towns so that, that that is the kind of tailwind some of the corporates are facing today i mean in a tailwind to grow they're getting today so based on this kind of filter i have narrowed my discussion to two sub segments within consumer discretionary one is fashion apparel and footwear make contribute around 10% of private retail spend in india so this is the biggest category of retail spend outside of grocery and you know, food and grocery account for nearly 65% of retail spending private retail spending so the next biggest category is apparel and footwear within apparel and footwear we've tried to you know narrow down on a segment on a, on a player who's not really on the mass side and who has strategies in place for strong growth trend is a leading retail player in india and i think they're well positioned to become one of the national players in apparel and you know in in apparel and fashion i mean they're not really a footwear player but you know amongst personal accessories they have some footwear too but they're more a fashion player and they're expanding into grocery as well so that's one reason why i picked up trend second category is leisure travel and tourism as a category in spending it doesn't even figure as in in the private retail you know breakdown of private retail spend in india it may be as too small to you know it that's included in others but even from that very small base it is growing exponentially you still i still don't have data as to exactly how much but a lot of surveys by make my trip is one of the online portals for travel india every second person they asked to were looking for stay away from home maybe it was covid that kind of triggered it maybe it's a youth tendency or it's a woke trend where young people want to spend more on experiences than on things and i also believe it's a social media thing where 
posting your travel escapades on social media is like considered the coolest thing and attracts the most likes. And if you can see influencers talking about travel, they have far more followers than you know some other categories. Even retirees are very high on leisure travel and tourism, though it's called in India's pilgrimage. So in this category, one of the best placed sectors, I mean player, I would think is Indian hotels. It is India's mostly largest hotel chain and the best known hotel brand in India. But the segment has gone through a steep downturn during COVID. So there is a kind of revenge spending in place too. But specifically, we chose Indian hotels because of its strategy to grow without spending, without too much capital in place. We'll discuss in detail. Amongst the few players, I mean, amongst the larger listed players in the fashion apparel and footwear, you know, we like Trend, we like Vedant fashions, and we like Bata. But to pick one stock, I have chosen Trend, given the scope of growth opportunity it has. Vedant fashion is a more margin play than growth prospect play. Bata is, it looks attractive, but near term may see some headwinds due to the inflationary trends we talked about earlier. Uh, but from a long-term perspective, Bata is worth looking at. This is Bata India, listed in India. No. Trend is Tata Group retail play. It has been around for a long time as primarily a Westside company. Westside was, is leading high street multi, I mean, it's, it's like a personal apparel and home accessory layer targeting the higher end of the market. This, the, the, the stores are typically upwards of 6,000 square feet. So the growth was relatively slow in the company and there were only so many cities the company could grow to. But now, in the past few years, especially during the time when it was during the COVID years, the company decided to transform itself and target the wider market by launching a format called Zudio. Now, Zudio is a value fashion brand. The, the closest I can think of globally is probably Cotton On, comparable to Zudio, but the experience is more like Zara. So Trend has been running Zara with a JV with Inditex in India, and it has been hugely successful, but given Zara's price points, it it's can be launched only in so many cities in India. You know, beyond that, there isn't a market. Now, Trend learned from Zara probably and from the West Side experience and so launched Zudio, which, is, which looks like Zara in, in the look and feel, but is more priced like Shein. Now, that is where the maximum growth is happening. They also have launched a grocery chain as a JV with Tesco, which has far more potential to grow, but they are still only in the, in the early stages of growth. Currently, the focus seems to be on Zudio. The fact that in India, if you look at a national brand in apparel retail, you probably have Reliance Trends. And then you have Max in value fashion. But Trends, Westside and Studio is, is definitely a much better and more appealing offering than the other two. That makes me believe that if they keep up the trend of growth, they can be India's leading national player. Now, India's, a lot of apparel players in India are regional. You have either state-wise or, or certain parts of India, but at a national level, we have very few brands. And given a 
Tata company, Tata Group company, they are able to manage growth and drive revenues without spending too much on advertising. There aren't any celebrities endorsing the products. It's more digital advertising, which makes me think that in few years' time, they could be the national brand, the best, probably most you know, appealing national brand in the retail space because organized retail, it is a play on growth in organized retail in India in the personal apparel and accessory space. As I discussed, Zudio, I think, will be the key driver for growth for trend in the near term, primarily because it targets a market which is youth who wants, who are high on aspiration but low on budget. They're budget conscious, but, you know, their, their awareness and uh, and consciousness about brand is of, of fashion is quite high. There isn't any other brand in India right now or not even any organized player that is able to match what Zudio is able to offer. And given the experience in designing and production with other brands like Zara and Westside, they're able to deliver. They're able to bring global fashion to a local store in a very short period, a bit like Shein. And the pricing is also almost like Shein. You know, it, almost everything, I mean, everything in the store is priced at less than a thousand rupees. They call it 999 or 499 rupees. I mean, it is, it is even for a small town, it is considered not expensive. So, and the stores can be sometimes as small as 2,000 square feet. So it's quite a scalable model. And given the, 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 kind of the trends we discussed earlier of social media, of youth wanting to spend, of being very fashion conscious, I, I believe Zudio has a long runway for growth. But in terms of margins, what is helping trend is the fact that they, have, they are almost a private label player. They, they sell their own labels in both their in West side as well as Zudio. So they're able to, you know, the margin potential is much better. If you look at Aditya Birla Fashions, which is a retail player, mostly in the male space and targeting largely a little more on the premium segment, that the margins, operating margins are as low as 5%. So Zudio has been able to maintain above 8 to 9% consistently. Which, which I think, I mean, it, it is lower compared to global players, but given the Indian price points and growth potential, you know, so you can see, you know, a trend doing better versus local retail players, especially in the apparel space. In valuation, most of what I discussed is fairly there. So what, what is happening is, okay, they have delivered very strong growth. The returns have been good, even the latest quarterly. but you can there is there, there isn't enough room for disappointment if they disappoint i mean they have to keep delivering to or keep up with the kind of valuation they are the they are priced at a premium to all their peers but but i would say none of the peers are on a like to like comparison and lastly what is what i see a risk in the current scenario is that their leverage is increasing their growth is being funded by debt and as interest costs increase, this could eat into you know, the, the profitability growth. So that, that is a, a matter of concern as to how well they will be able to fund their growth if, if it is going to be totally debt-driven. But what, what I like the most about Trend is the fact that it has a potential to become India's leading uh, national brand in the segment and its growth strategy is very much in place. It is proven and it has sufficient modes in that segment. Unlike others, they have actually 
kind of created a segment, got, got their backend in place. So, you know, they have a strong moat in the, especially the studio category, and they have a strong brand power. Moving to the small, rather niche, but of stronger near-term growth segment, which is travel and leisure, there aren't many large players in India in this segment. You know, Indian hotels, which we are going to discuss now, is the largest player. Others are much smaller in comparison. And, you know, you can't even call it comparable in terms of size and scale. But these are the other players you have in the space. So if you were to pick one stock, you know, Indian hotels is an easier pick here. Now, Indian hotels is mostly in India, always known as Taj Hotels. It is probably the world's well-known brand in, when you talk about India. But here, they own the Taj group of super luxury hotels many years ago. They try to expand overseas, which kind of brought down their returns. And COVID was severely deep downturned for all of hospitality sector. Being the worst of times, somehow the company has managed to make it the best of times by pivoting into segments which are which have strong synergies with what they do, but which can drive both revenues and margins, which we'll discuss. So they have kept their Taj group of luxury hotels and then launched other brands which are so that you know you have upmarket business class hotel, you have what we call a clean business class hotel, which can expand into smaller towns, you know, where the price points are you know, a higher price point cannot be sustained. So they have a strategy in place to expand their core uh, hotel business. I mean, the the target right now, they have nearly 250 hotels. They plan to take it to up to 500 by 2025, 26. That that is a management stated plan. And increasingly focusing on new businesses, which include food and service. They're getting into what is called homestays, what what your Airbnb Airbnb is doing phenomenally well globally and in India as well. But what, what what Indian hotels is, they are taking up, you know, you have bungalows, you have, you know, um, hill station apartments, which they take on rent or they, they take on management contract, which are closer to their main hotel, you know, within a few hours of drive from the main hotel and they're managing it. So without capital spend, they're able to increase the number of rooms and also offer customers a different experience. So during COVID, what the company shared was they found customers wanting different experiences, wanting wellness solutions, wanting to work from anywhere, which was not in your typical city-based hotel. They wanted places outside, sometimes in a hill station, sometimes in a tourist spot, or sometimes in a quiet place. So that, that's where the, the new concept came about. And then they have launched the chambers, which is like a business club. India, there are and the few clubs that have other many, many big cities are what was left over by the Raj, you know, the colonial times. The very few new clubs which the young would probably want to be part of. No, no, not many have been launched and not many are launched as a brand at a national scale. Now, Taj, the Indian hotels saw the opportunity to launch a premium club service where you pay a high initial membership fee and then you maintain it, a place where you can come and relax and network. So that's called the chambers. So these new businesses are not only driving revenues and they are margin accretive because you know you you're hardly spending anything on much on capital expenditure 
So that's why we have described it as the asset-like growth strategy. And the management's focus has been on increasing the share of management contracts than building on or leasing out hotels. Uh, probably what they learned during COVID, learning from COVID is what has prompted them to state that they want to become a zero debt company. So, you know, in, in case of downturns like COVID, they, you are best, well protected you know, on, the, on the downside. This, this is a well, very well-known play. India's leading company now trying to be call itself a hospitality company than a luxury hotel company. But what we like about it is I think it's most well-positioned to ride the growth in the travel and leisure spending segment. India is capacity deficient in terms of hotel rooms. You have, you know, the, the, the news, you know, you have players like Airbnb and or your rooms giving you access to what we call the homestay segment and budget hotel segment. But from an experiential perspective, this is the player. We have not even talked about inbound tourism to India, which, which is expected to go up. So, you know, in this scenario, I, I strongly think Indian hotels is best positioned to ride the growth. Most of what we have discussed is here, you know, the, the, the growth primarily will come from expanding the hotel room. Ginger is probably what we'll see drive the maximum in terms of room number of rooms. But other services which we discussed earlier, you know, is towards going to give a lot of avenues for growth. Management contracts and new businesses which are more service oriented will be the drivers for margins. In terms of valuation, I think the stock has still a room for expanding, although it is trading at a premium to the rest of the hotel sector. The kind of growth that management has guided is yet to materialize. I mean, they have shown one quarter of growth, but I, I think the market still has not digested the kind of growth it can have and margin improvement it can have by expanding the way the management has strategized it to. Though... I also believe market may still be playing cautious because we, we saw the sector getting beaten up so badly during pandemic. So you know, unlike many other sectors which could pivot very well, you know, hospitality sector didn't have as much room. So that, that could also be weighing down its valuations a bit. But assuming pandemic doesn't return, I think the overall scenario in India is strong enough to support high spending on travel and leisure. And we think Indian hotels is very well placed for that. Thank you so much. And to close this webinar, Devi, perhaps you can share some final words you want to leave our audience with about today's topic. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you on a topic which is always exciting. There's a lot of growth happening. There are many more players in the segment, but just just you know that, but today we have focused on what I think are private retail consumer-centric spending. So hope you find this useful. Thank you. Awesome. And that's the end of our webinar. Thank you, Devi, for your time today. And thank you to all attendees for being with us. If you wish to keep track of more insights related to the topic shared today, I recommend following Devi on Smart Karma so you never miss any of her insights. Please email us at research at smartkarma.com. For any other questions or feedback, if not, do follow us on our social media channels like LinkedIn and Twitter at Smart Karma. We share weekly ebooks on trending topics and themes, so you don't want to miss out on that. Thank you once again, Devi, and goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, 
please share it with your networks. Subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss an episode, and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening, and see you next time.